Bloody Elbow presents the Hey Not The Face podcast, the show that brings you the business side of combat sports, including contract review, financial analysis, fighter pay issues, and more. Hey Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content if available at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, John S. Nash, joined by his producer, Steffi Haynes. Hello and welcome to Hey, Not the Face with your host, John Nash, and your producer, me, Steffi Haynes. And today we have two big, huge topics for you. First, we have an official one championship contract, and we get to reveal it all, including the actual contract, which we will be linking so that you can read along with us as we go through this contract. And in our bonus section, we will have John talking about the confrontation between Dana White and Steven Espinosa. So first, we're going to check in with our fearless leader and find out how his week has been. Spectacular. I mean, you know, I, if I, I think I, I, I drafted Chris McCaffrey for my fantasy league, so I'm set. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hey, really how's pay attention the cat? To how's the cat? The cat is spectacular. She's just, you know, she's, she's, she, it's her world. I'm just living in it. <laughs> That's basically all of us cat owners. Yeah, I'm having trying to find a, a vet. Uh, I'm trying to track down her original vet, her vet in the city. See if I can track that person down. But uh, if I can, I'll have to take her to a new vet. But that's my big, my big mission for the week is find her a vet. Oh well, I'm sure you'll find a good win. So let's go ahead and jump into this one championship contract. And right off the bat, I have to know. What exactly we have here? Whose contract? How did we get it? Give us the full details. The contract we have belongs to Adriano Morais, uh, one championship fighter uh, who was actually sued. It was part of a lawsuit in uh, Brazil where he was sued by the Brazilian managers Alex Davis and uh, Samira Nadif. Nadaf. Sorry about that. So mispronounced that name. But uh, so that's where we got the contract. So this is I have actually other one championship contracts like other promotions. But because we got this through legal means and we, we don't have to worry about the person giving it to us did not you know make us swear to keep it private because of that fact that we got it from a public source, we can reprint this. And so we're going to share it somewhere. I guess you, you know, we're going to have it somewhere you can download it and follow along. All right. The very first thing that I notice is we have an official cover sheet here and there are some mark throughs, some line throughs on dates. Can you explain those for us? Well, the mark through dates, it looks like what happened is they, they issued this contract. The title page basically says he's on the third bout of his current contract. And this is going to be the new contract that's going to replace that one. Right. But if you look at it, the, the original date is February 4th, 2020. Uh, and uh, the event is supposed to take place in April. Well, what happened in 2020? Mm-hmm. We had the pandemic came out and everything froze and one stopped putting on events. And so what it looks like is they offered them this contract. They basically froze the agreement and everything froze 
during the first year of the pandemic, and then they reissued it. They 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 redelivered this contract to him with a spot from initialize, so it kicks into the next year. Ah, okay, all right. So we have that all squared away and how we got the contract. So let's jump into the next part. What is different? What is the same about this contract and those of the UFC, Bellator, PFL? Well, a lot of the very similar stuff in, in all those contracts. We've gone over all the other promotions contracts already. You'll People probably are aware now that there's kind of a similar thing that the contract gives them the right to put on events for, involving the fighter. It makes the fighter exclusive to that promotion. It lays out details of what's expected of you, how many fights you're going to get, where you're going to get paid, uh, the rights the promotion has, the right that the fighter has, defines the terms. All these things are the same in all these contracts. So uh, it basically, it contains a lot of the same boilerplate material. In fact, if you look down that opening, if you go to the first page of the contract, the actual first page of the contract, which I think is third page of the document, uh, you'll look and you start seeing it talks about whereas, what is the contract, then it goes under definitions, interpretations, and it's just, you know, all the stuff to basically lay out the basic part of the contract, who who it covers, uh, what the clauses mean, all those things. And so in that sense, it's very similar. But what we're going to go through is we're going to kind of focus, since we've covered a lot of those details and the other ones, we're going to look at the spots that are kind of unique to one, what's eye-catching, and, 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 and also what, you know, maybe could be, def- might have some, be up for interpretation. What is different about the promotional rights and, and what looks similar? Well, if you look at it, it, the promotional rights, every contract has something about promotional rights for, you know, what's the right that the promoter gets over the fighter. And you'll see that there are several sections under promotional rights. It's section two under, if you're following along, there's an A, which gives the, the right to the promotion to arrange, manage, and secure on behalf of the athlete uh, a, a match. Every promotional contract has it, they're fighters. B is the right to publish, broadcast, disseminate the, the material. That is very similar in every contract, right? It's C that's different. And C is this contract promotional rights. It, Men, the gives the promotion the right to worldwide right to manufacture, distribute, or sell goods and services depicted or decorated with the athlete's profile, including without limitation brochures, posters, toys, games, computer video games, electronic games, or other interactive software, novelties, and on and on and on. Basically, this the merchandise right, uh, which is incorporated with the promotional rights, which is a little unique to the other promotions because you know, like UFC will have uh these auxiliary rights, right? But they don't include it as part of your promotional rights. They don't, in fact, the promotional rights for like Bellator is they have the right to disseminate your image, right? To make posters and all that stuff. But this instantly gives them the right to your merchandise, right? And what's also interesting, these auxiliary rights and merchandise rights granted in favor of the company shall, for the avoidance of doubt, survive the death of the athlete and shall be binding upon successors, heirs, and personal representatives. In other words, they're perpetual even beyond the death of the athlete. So we are talking in perpetuity. In perpetuity, you are when you sign up your rights with the one here on the, under this contract, and we I've seen other contracts that are different and they cover different ground, but this is we're going to use this one as the template. When you sign under this contract, you are granting your rights not just to fight for them, not just them have your image rights, and this is common. Usually, the promotion controls your image rights for that fight forever, right? I'm in a fight. They recorded it. They can sell that fight forever. 
that's common. But here it gives them the right to use your image on, on fabrics, apparel, food, merchandise, anything they want forever afterwards. But it and all, then you go, oh, sorry, go ahead. If I may, uh, that from that fight, though, right, from promotional material, right? Well, it wouldn't be like anything that they do, one gets a piece of. Well, I, I just want to make sure stuff. I'm understanding. Yeah, the, I guess the, the one doesn't get a piece of whatever the fighter goes to do as himself, but they get the fighter's profile, right? right? Which means their image. They get to use the fight. They don't have to use it from the fight itself. So, like, I'm going to give you an example. UFC, they record your event. They own the right to that event, no matter what. And if they want to use an ad or do an ad with another fighter, uh, they can't just put your image on t- on posters or on T-shirts and sell the T-shirt rights without you signing that merch right agreement they have. But they can take your image, that fight image, and put it in a commercial and not pay you. But they can't make you be a spokesperson for that that ad. But one, they can use the fight footage, but they also can use your f- image and put you on a poster at a 7-Eleven saying, please buy this brand. Huh. Wow. Because they own your image. They can put it on – they can make a toy with you, a bobblehead toy, and and, and use that per- in perpetuity. So it's uh, it's a pretty wide-ranging merchandise agreement that's in the- – but the thing is, too, it doesn't make it exclusive because if you fight for one, they have these rights – You know, they have the exclusive rights during your contract – but let's say you go somewhere else and you become a big star. Well, there's the the problem is one, they own your image rights. They could then start printing po- t-shirts up uh, or toys and stuff and sell those alongside whatever new promotion you're with. But only from the images they had rights to from certain fights, correct? No, no. Again, it the athlete's profile, your image itself. So it is way, way different than the UFC. Yes, yes. It's I mean, much that's more wildly different. That's insane. Why would anyone then, sign that? Well, you want to fight. You want to get paid. And and it's not so different from the other promotions, I guess, in the sense that a lot of fighters probably view it as not. Uh, one is because that the major money that fighters make is from fighting, not from sponsorship and promotional merchandise and stuff, right? So you're, you're focused more on your, your fight contract. Two is the other the other contracts are similar enough that you probably don't view this, even though you grant a lot more of your rights away, as so far different than other ones that it's 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 worth fighting completely over. I get I, I honestly the, the all the contracts in MMA are terrible, but this one is kind of the worst on this this front. Uh, the uh, if you go on to it, two point two the promotional rights, auxiliary rights, and merchandise rights collectively referred to here as the commercial rights are granted in favor of the company in perpetuity, as we just mentioned before, uh, as regards to auxiliary rights and merchandise rights, and on a worldwide basis, free and clear of any claims by the athletes, so or or any persons claiming or reporting the claim through the athletes. So again, they, you you could go to some other promotion, you could sign your rights away again later. But they own those rights. They they get to keep those rights from you. Wow. Do one fighters have any say at all in where they fight? And what is this part about requiring a new contract? Because that one threw me off. Okay. Well, just like all the other fighter contracts we've seen, that they have really no say in when, where, and who they fight. All that stuff is dictated by the promotion. Uh, and the participation matches too, just like the UFC, just like other promotions. If you are a preliminary or undercard match, 
and a main or feature fight on that card is canceled. I think UFC is just the main uh, main event, not the uh, the co-mains. But here it's a featured fight besides the main event is canceled or postponed. Your contract that you don't get paid, your fight is put on hold until they can book a new event, right? And that's similar to other promotions. Uh, but it just I just wanted to point that out because people always ask, you know, it just it's a good example of how little control fighters kind of have over their career. Everything's dictated them. And this also gets kind of harder for fighters. And for one, because, you know, most fighters aren't from Singapore. And so one, because they they book fights out of most fighters national territory where they're from, it it makes it harder. You have to get visas and stuff. So there can be a lot of problems with getting a fight booked. If they moved it, it can freeze your contract a lot. So it's it's probably a little more noteworthy with one that they can do this. Uh, They also... The athlete is required from time to time. This is a kind of an interesting one to execute or enter into separate contracts agreements to govern certain matches or events. And this is in this in one way you could read this as that the one can force contract extensions or or side agreements or something on fighters. But really, what I think this is detailing is the fact that one because they they do hold events in so many different countries, and those countries have certain guidelines and provisions that are required in the contracts that you might be required to sign a, a temporary agreement that meets the requirements of that location, that country. But again, it's, it's kind of, they don't come out clear out and say it. So it's a little vague. So it's not quite clear what they mean by you might have to sign a separate contract or agreement. Let's go down to section four term. The first part of term seems similar to other contracts, but what about the champions clause and the duration of rights? Okay, well, this is this is kind of interesting because on the terms of this agreement, uh, well, first of all, we'll go the duration of promotional rights. The first part, section four point one, for people following along, the duration of the, uh, the the promotional rights is, and it tells you you have to go to schedule one to see how many fights that's for. But it, the contractual terms last for either the number of fights in the schedule later on, and if you look, if you skip further on down to the end of the contract where it's listed, it's for four fights. Or 24 months, whichever comes first. For so he has to have a four-fight contract for 24 months. So that's it's a little usually for like the UFC, it's uh, it'd be like five fights for 24 months because why the contract starts when you sign the contract or get your first bout, and then every six months after you might have another con- a fight. So this is this is kind of a long contract, 24 months for a four-fight agreement. That's a pretty long time in MMA terms to have a contract that long. The other thing now. The Champions Clause. This is pretty interesting because the one Champions Clause says, if you become the champion, the term of this agreement shall be automatically extended for the further period of four bouts and 24 months. <gasps> Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. So the Champions, Champions Clause, Clause yeah. redoes the entire contract? Well, what it does, yes, he has a four-fight agreement. If he becomes a champion, it adds four bouts and 24 months to his agreement. So where other championship clause say three bouts and 12 months, this is an extra bout, an extra uh, an extra 12 months. And on top of that, it doesn't apply at the end of the contract if you're still the champ. It's just if you win it, suddenly your contract's been extended. In his case, his contract – so you could – this is kind of terrible for fighters – because let's say in the second fight of this contract, you win the championship, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now you're at your most valuable. Even if you lose the next fight, no longer champion on your third fight, your profile is probably increased tremendously in your value because you used to be the champion. So your name value has gone up. But now instead of negotiating after that fourth fight, you have 
four more fights after that before you can get a new contract, or at least they could make you fight that out before you could fight out and try the market. So it really takes away a lot of leverage. Uh, in boxing, this probably you, you'd see something like this in boxing where if you win the title, it extends the contract. But it's less of a problem in boxing because, and, and this gets complex in boxing, the promotion doesn't own the title, and so there's a leverage the fighter has by being because he owns the title himself and he can hold that against the promoter. Where in this case, the promotion owns the title, the promotion very well. Think of it this way: you win the championship, right? They extend your contract four fights. You do not want to fight and defend that title until they increase your contract. Your contract, they strip you of the title. You still probably have those extensions. There's nothing that says they won't extend the contract still. Wow. Tell me the reasons uh, that they can extend the contract and, and how long they can extend it uh, outside of the things you mentioned. Because I see stuff here, injuries, things like that. So uh, g- give me the lowdown on that. Well, one is the uh, the con the terms are, don't expire early uh, due to death or incapacity, just like you know the old UFC contracts. The other interesting note too is uh, the exhibit rights and merchant rights pursuant to the term uh, they continue right after the termination. So th- they note here in this that those rights continue after your after your contract's up. Uh, the other things they can do is. Uh, they can extend the contract if you refuse to participate in an offered match. Other promotions have that. We've seen that basically before in all MMA. It's not like some boxing contracts have it that we have to offer you a fair, we have to make a fair offer, or we have to offer you a couple fights, and then you get to choose which one you want. And this, like most MMA offers, they have to they offer you a fight. You choose it. They can extend the contract. They can in this agreement instead of the UFC uh, six months, it's either the longer of getting you a new date. Or 120 days, which is only four months, but I, I mean, it, it really doesn't matter if it's the longer of the two, right? Uh, the athlete also, it says they can extend it. They have a thing if you're injured, just like the UFC and Bellator and one, uh, they can do an injury. They can they can extend the contract for as long as your injury. Uh, if you refuse to take it in a fight, they can extend the contract. So there's all basically all the provisions that the other ones have, and so. There's there also what's interesting in these terms, there's no sunset that you've seen in the UFC recently. There's no official end date if you turn the fights down. There's no UFC's gotten rid of this, but there's also no mac, maximum number of declinations, which is declining fights. They can apparently keep extending the contract if you turn down fights. Wow. Let's talk about the general obligations of the fighter, of the athlete. Go through that for us. Well, this is again something you find in all of them. They're expected to, you know, uh, they have to be the, to give their best effort. They have to display sportsmanship. They have to not use drugs. You know, every promotion basically has something along these lines that dictates these. But what's kind of interesting about uh, one championship? There is a part. If this again, if people are reading along, skip ahead to page nine. This is section six. Uh, you go down to I think it's G and H. One, the first one, they shall not issue any publicity relating to the services or commercial rights to be provided by him hereunder or participate in any interview or other publicity without the prior written consent of the company. (laughs) And H, not without the consent of the company, changes name, including any (laughs) stage names, professional names, in whole or part or perform under any other name. So Uh, if a, a female got married, she would need to go to one first. It seems that way. Yes, it's uh, there, it's pretty far reaching. It doesn't say anything specific about certain name changes. So 
if you wanted to change your name, you have to get consent from them. I, I haven't seen that in any other contract. There, there might be an issue about the, you know, the legal contract being signed, but name change doesn't change the contract. But the publicity one's kind of interesting because basically it's saying that if you if you're going to talk about the the commercial rights this they have, basically the promotion and the rights they have to you and their fights and stuff, you need to get permission from them before you do any publicity. You can't go on your own and book an interview. I just cannot get over having to go to them to change your name. I mean, look at Michelle Waterson Gomez or Beck Rawlings, who is now Beck Rodriguez. I mean, that that's insane to me. I can't. I mean, this we were looking at maybe because we we don't have a woman's contract in front of us. Maybe in some of the women's they have a, an exception, but I right. at the beginning of the contract it says this applies to men and women, and they're going to use he interchangeably with she. So ah. Uh. I would imagine no, that this is yeah. the same for women as well. Ugh. Tell me about uh, this part. Oh, but, but, sorry, to keep going, there's another section too. This is, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is kind of new too. Uh, and that's letter K. And that is, you cannot disparage. That's, yes, that's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> oh, okay. you can't disparage, disrupt, damage, impair, or otherwise interfere with the business interest or reputation of the company or its affiliates. The one brand or any current or proposed sponsor, advertising agency, network, or broadcaster. Uh, you cannot commission, publish, disseminate, or otherwise involve with any advertising or publicity material which may contain inaccurate, obscene, indecent, threatening, offensive, defamatory, torturous, or illegal languages or material, or which will infringe on the, any intellectual property of any third party. Now, one, Bellator, all of them have something similar to this about you know about their sponsors, but they don't have it about this company and their business, right? So if this is a little stronger than them. Then in fact, you can't disparage or, or make comments, apparently, about one uh, or their networks and stuff uh, where in Bellator, UFC and stuff, it's, it's limited to you can't say anything that damages the relationship with the sponsor. In other words, you can't do anything to interrupt their money, but it doesn't have a disparage comment. And we're going to come back to disparage in the future about how long lasting this is. But we'll wait till we get to another segment. Okay. Um, I want to go to segment 10, injury or retirement. Now, what happens if a fighter gets injured or retires? Well, just like the other promotions, if you get injured or, or retired, they extend the contract. Here, they extend for a period uh, for how long it takes to recover or a period of six months, whichever is longer. This is the same as the UFC, right? Uh, the, the, basically, the same of all MMA promotions right now. The other thing is the... Uh, if you retire, it's it, either temporary or permanent. The company should have the right to suspend the term for the duration of the athlete's retirement. Uh, this is, again, the same as other promotions, except for the fact that UFC now has a sunset provision they put in for retirement. It's not as short as the five years, a little longer than that now, but it, when you add everything up. But this is this is forever. This is the old-fashioned UFC contract. If you retire, it freezes for as long as they want. You cannot leave this contract by not, by not, by not fighting. What's the oddest thing that one can do to terminate a contract? Well, if you jump to Section 11, this is, I find this strange. There's a lot of things, you know, they can terminate a contract just like the other promotions. If you lose a fight, they can terminate it. Uh, if you get your license revoked, if you get in trouble with the athletic commissions, it's suspended, right? If you refuse fights. All the promotions have that. Uh, for the UFC, for the most recent one, I saw that if you can turn down fights, but after the third fight you turn down, they can terminate the contract. But here it's the first fight. But this is the weird one. If you go to Section 11, uh, 11.1C, 
If the athlete becomes involuntarily or involuntarily the subject of proceedings under any bankruptcy or insolvency law or other law or procedure of any jurisdiction for the relief of financial distress debtors, and then D, if the athlete makes any voluntary arrangement with his creditors or becomes subject to an administrative order, they can be terminated. I have just never seen that in a contract. Okay. If the athlete makes any voluntary arrangement with his creditors or becomes subject to an administration order. What? (laughs) I'm I'm guessing that he becomes an agreement with his creditors that they can maybe they get his paycheck or his purse. Oh, so garnishment, wage. Yeah, yeah, garnishes wages. They declare bankruptcy or something. They go under bankruptcy. I'm not I just do not know why. Well, this because typically two two entities are um, able to garnish your wages, and that's the IRS yeah. and student loans. That's when you default on your student loans, they can garnish your wages. When you default on your taxes, when you don't file your taxes, when you teach your taxes, whatever, um, if you make an uh, arrangement or a, an agreement or whatever, they can also garnish your wages there. I don't know. Any other entities that can do that? So this is insane. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, it's one I just, I'm, I'm, I just don't follow. I mean, maybe in Singapore there's other entities like if you owe money to a bank, they can, they can, they can, uh, they can take it for other loans and stuff. I'm not sure, but I just hadn't seen that another one. And it's just, it's a weird thing that they can terminate you if you become, if you declare bankruptcy. Because I mean, I, I don't know what the reasoning is behind it. Uh, is I, I just don't know why. That's a concern of theirs if their LLC, independent contractor fighters, end up having to declare bankruptcy. That's wow. I don't get it either. Um, let's let's talk about uh, exclusive negotiating periods, rights to match. Do we have any of that here? Yeah, just like the other promotions, they have a uh, exclusive negotiating period uh, for this contract. It's sixty days after the, the end of the contract. So for sixty days, they have the right to be the exclusive negotiator, and they have a right to match that lasts one year. Because you know they're not an MMA, just an MMA only country. They also their option to match material terms uh, for any mixed martial arts or kickboxing match, Muay Thai match, or any sort of martial arts competition. So they cover it basically covers all those. Um, so that's their, you know, it's the, it's similar to everybody else, but that's something that comes up in the UFC antitrust uh, lawsuit as a tolling provision. So it's worth noting here. All right. I want to go to section 14 because confidentiality seems to be a big deal. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier about the disparagement, we mentioned earlier about, you can't, uh, they need permission to interviews here. It says fourth section 14.1. Uh, the athlete shall be treated as confidentially not disclosed to any information which relates to the existence and provisions of this agreement and any agreement entered into pursuant to this agreement, the negotiations related to this agreement, and each of the companies and the company's affiliates' proprietary information. So we, we have confidentiality clause somewhat in the UFC and Bellator that you're not supposed to discuss the contract, but this lays it out a little stronger, a little oh, – they make a – they they – I guess it's just stronger in the sense the language is slightly stronger, slightly clearer, and covers a wider range of stuff. So they really do not want you discussing this. What's interesting with the UFC, though, is they have that. But Dana White's basically said multiple times on on record that fighters are free to talk about their contracts or money. And so that would overrule the contract. I don't think I've ever heard Chatri say that. Yeah, I don't think so either. (laughs) Yeah. And then then if you go further down in that, that section... 
It says the athlete shall take all reasonable steps to minimize the risk of disclosure of confidential information by ensuring that only those of the athlete's affiliates whose duties will require them to possess any such information shall have access thereto and that they shall be instructed to treat them as confidential. So they clear, they come out here clear cut and say that not only you're not supposed to disclose, but it's the, the fighter's responsibility to take the extra steps to not disclose to anybody, but basically like their, their manager or an attorney. And, uh, Again, there one seems to be going a step above and beyond to make sure stuff is not disclosed about their contracts. Let's go to section twenty-two: continuing effect of agreement. Uh, we talked about part of the contract being in perpetuity. It seems like more of it is in perpetuity. Can you explain? Yes. Well, the continuing effect of the agreement is the certain provisions, right? Uh, that the, the the clauses of these nature are intended to continue past the termination of the term. So in other words, they last the end of the your contract goes for four fights or twenty four months, uh, and it goes uh, or twenty four tw- sorry four fights or twenty four months, and then it terminates. Certain, the, but the contract, a lot of the, the provisions extend, uh, including which is interesting is that section six where you have disparagement, right? So you you cannot disparage the company going forward. So the 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 effects of the agreement are they continue to have your merchandise right, they continue to have perpetuity on those, but certain provisions like the disparagement and you know certain information you have to honor those going forward in perpetuity because they survive the uh, the the termination of the term. Quick question. Yes. By by what you just explained to me, let's say Ben Askren decides to talk shit about Chatri one, whatever. Would that apply there? Well, if he was under this agreement, yes, probably there would be some sort of uh, it would be he'd be violating the agreement. I don't know what they could do since he's in the U.S. But but I know looking at older contracts, they're not quite the same. Certain provisions were much worse in older contracts for them. They had they, especially for the low level guys coming in. There's certain provisions that just seem like they could these contracts going forever. But a lot of these rights issues, I think, have been added in more recent years. Uh, so I don't think he he would have a lot of this stuff in his. But if let's say it did. Technically, theoretically, he could not talk shit about one. He couldn't reveal stuff about him uh, because that would be in violation of uh, that. That clause six would still be um, would still be going under this uh, under this contract. Wow. How about Section 32 governing law and jurisdiction? Because um, it looks like they might have an arbitration clause here. Yeah, exactly. Well, one, first, the agreement is governed by in accordance with the laws of Singapore. So you got to if you have a lawsuit where, you know, the UFC famously, it's under Nevada law. You have to show up in Nevada to, to contest it. But here they also say you also are taking the, 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 every complaint, every sort of uh, uh, disagreement with the, the company. You have to take it to arbitration, the arbitration rules of the Singapore International Arbitration Center. I do not. I, I imagine, considering Singapore is uh, how well known as be pro business, I, I got a feeling it's not going to be a very pro worker type arbitration court. But you have to, instead of challenging them in court, you are required to take them go to arbitration first to settle any differences, and that sets up the same problem we have with the UFC arbitration clause. But this might even be a step worse for fighters because it takes place in Singapore. So not only do you have the Singapore court which uh, probably is more pro-corporate, I'm guessing, but you also have the expense of having to go to a Singapore court. 
Um, benefits. I'm, I'm not hearing any. Are there any? Well, if we go on and the benefits I'm sure you're talking about are the benefits like the per diems and the room and board, stuff yeah. like that. If you go on, there's a section tagged on the end, and that is Schedule 1. And uh, that, that schedule is the additional stuff that I guess applies to this individual fighter instead of all fighters that sign the contract. And uh, if you look at it, you can see his prize win. He gets 100000 to show, U.S. dollars, not Singapore, 100000 to win. Uh, he also, if he, uh, he, it also says that this is where the match number of matches are for, but he gets some benefits. Now, the way it's wrote in the schedule makes me assume that these sort of agreements are, this is extended on an individual fighter basis, that not every fighter gets this. Not like Beltran and the UFC where they have a generic, you get two flights, uh, $60 a day or whatever. And this one, the fighter will receive one round chip economy class and a quarterman will receive one round trip economy class and they'll share a twin bedroom so uh <laughs> and they'll get 40 singapore dollars per diem for meals right per day per person well that's about 30 dollars us so about half what bellator the ufc pay per diem i think actually bellator might be up to 80 dollars or something but but a lot less than them per diem what's interesting too this is a champions agreement right this is an agreement where he was fighting for the title and was going to be the champion and and yet he gets there's no benefit bonus when holding the belt if he gets the uh if he if he wins the championship. So like where other contracts will give you extra cornermen for title fights or being the champion, extra tickets in a room, that doesn't appear here. You don't get that with this. It's the same number. And also it's worth noting from their uh for events outside the athlete's home base city. So if you're fighting in your hometown, it seems like this implies that you will not get a room, not get tickets, and not get a per diem. Uh, and so maybe that's what they do with a lot of their shows. They book local people, and they don't get those people do not get tickets or flights. Wow. Okay, I have to ask you about this because this stuck out to me. Forty dollars Singapore uh, Singapore dollars per day per person, or three daily meals provided by the organizer this this next part whether the athlete receives the per diem or three daily meals is at the discretion of the organizer yes yeah so you might not even get it well yeah yes but the other thing too is if they the, i guess like if they have a hotel that provides free meals or whatever they're probably going to use that instead of giving you the per diem uh, the UFC actually has a similar uh, clause. They, they uh, instead of a per diem, they can also offer, you know, uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but if you're in a place where they can provide the, the meals for you, they don't have to offer you a per diem. But yeah, it's uh, they get to choose if you want, which would suck if they're giving you terrible meals at a terrible hotel. If you're which stuck would taking suck those as an athlete if you're, you're, you're stuck eating buffet food when you're cutting weight. Yeah, that would be terrible. That'd be terrible. You know, that's uh, listen, it's uh, athletes are not important to the sport. They do not make the sport go. What makes it go are the acronyms, the letters that (laughs) that we come to watch. We do not. The the fighters are not important at all. All right. Let's let's uh, talk about three fights in a year and what one is responsible for and all that good shit. Okay, well, this is the last part. We go down to the last page, uh, or the second line. There's a signature page after this, but the last page of the the schedule addendum to the contract. And and people look here, you can see too that if you if he's 
If he's the champion, he'll receive 250,000 US dollars, not the Singapore per diem money US dollars. But this part really caught my eye. Uh, beginning from the effective date until the expiration or pre-termination of the term, the company shall offer the athlete participant in two matches per consecutive 12-month period. So two things caught me about that. One is within a 12-month period, they have to offer you two fights, right? That's not the three fights a year that we're always told about in MMA, but that's that's a pretty long time. And I guess because they have 24 months, it's you know a 24-month contract, it, that explains it. But think, they can offer you a fight and then wait 11 months before offering you the second fight. And if you can't take it because of the date, whatever, then they could extend the contract. So they, that really makes, that's a long time to be waiting around for your fight, I meant in the fight business, right? That's a long time to go. Basically, you go a year between fights that they want to, right? And what's also interesting is beginning of the effective date. Well, if you look at the effective date, if you go back up at the top of the previous page, the effective date is July 8, 2021. Well, this contract went out in uh, January 2021, right? And so basically what they're saying is the contract went out in January. The start of this contract is either going to be on July 8th or if it's executed, the execution by signed and, and maybe a fight taken after this date, that would be the start. But that's that that means this contract is probably length of time is longer than 24 months. And then and that's not counting the tolling provisions. So that that seems like I don't know, that does not seem like a good a good uh, a good deal for the fighter there to have the contract start that way. I am just flabbergasted by this. Oh, to close this section out, if you were to summarize this contract in one sentence, what would it be? Well, in one sentence, uh, not a very good contract. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, they're all, all MMA contracts are terrible. All various degrees of terribleness. UFC has certain stuff that's terrible. Bellator has stuff that's terrible. The PFL stuff terrible. The one thing I think that makes this particularly terrible is not that they can extend the fights longer. It's the perpetuity nature of the merchandise that, mm. and they, and that, you also too, the contract does not include anything about merchandise rights that you do not get a percentage of the sales. Right. So it's, you hand over all those. And on top of that, that champions clause is particularly bad in the sport of MMA. That, that is much worse than what we see in the other promotions. Indeed. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up our free portion. If you are a paid subscriber, stick around. We are going to dive right into the very salacious social media back and forth between Steven Espinosa of Showtime Boxing and Dana White of the UFC. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, Go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey, Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, 
the sixth round post fight show the show money podcast and the mma depressed us